Hey friends, if you like the Nexus podcast, the best way to continue the learning is to join our community. There are three ways to do that. First, you can join the Nexus Pro membership. It's our global community of smart building professionals. We have monthly events, paywall deep dive content, and a private chat room, and it's just $35 a month. Second, you can upgrade from the Pro membership to our courses offering. It's headlined by our flagship course, The Smart Building Strategist, and we're building a catalog of courses taught by world-leading experts on each topic under the Smart Buildings umbrella. Third, and finally, our marketplace is how we connect leading vendors with buyers looking for their solutions. The links are below in the show notes, and now let's go on to the podcast. Welcome to the Nexus Podcast. I'm your host, James Dice. We're talking today to Ben Cooper from BGO. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. Thanks for having me, James. I'm excited to unpack a little bit about your cybersecurity program. Actually, a, a lot, a bit. We're going to go deep into it. Uh, can you first just uh, introduce yourself, talk about your your role and what you do? Yeah, Ben Cooper. So I started at BGO fairly recently, last, uh, so January 2022. So just over a year and a half before that, I was at Quadrille working in their uh, modern workplace IT on the more on the IT side, but my background is in smart technology. Uh, I started at working on the integration side of things, doing residential luxury smart homes at first, which was very fun, and then transitioned to the world of uh, commercial the commercial side, which was a very interesting change in uh, in dynamic. But yeah, all all of that led to led to here now where I manage the prop our prop tech program at uh, BGO. What's the biggest difference between uh, a luxury home? Uh, automation and smart smart tech versus the commercial space. Uh, it's usually the money. <laughs> a lot of the the luxury homeowners go into it knowing they're they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, and some of the some of the systems that they want are oh they're so elaborate. Oh, um, yeah, it's uh, the the money part isn't really an issue, and then coming to the commercial side where budgets and things are a lot more constrained. Um, so you have to really think outside the box with your designs and and the technology that you're pitching. So, yeah, that I'd say that that'd be the biggest difference. Yeah, totally. Okay, can you give us uh, some background on BGO just so people know? You know, what type of buildings are we talking about? What type of investment um, approach does BGO take? Uh, just give people an idea of sort of the context that we're about to unpack. Yeah, BGO started as uh, Bentall and Bentall Kennedy. It was predominantly um, property management in uh, in Canada, and then merging of. Uh, of Green Oak Realty in the U.S. made us Bentall Green Oak. So the U.S. side of uh, our business is more on the asset ownership and management side, fund the fund management, um, and uh, yeah, Canada is still very much property management based. So it makes makes for a very interesting dynamic when we're trying to think of strategy around prop tech. And in Canada, you're dealing with many different clients, different uh, ownership groups that all might have their their own kind of strategy around prop tech. So it's, it's a lot of facilitating those conversations directly and relationships directly with the with those uh, third-party clients and trying to tie those in as well to our U.S. asset. Yeah, totally. And so then in the U.S. assets, you guys are actually the ownership group. So it's a little bit more aligned um, with you know the conversations with the owners. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, some people don't realize that um, there are actually companies out there that have many different ownership situations. You guys sound like that's that's 
something you have to deal with. It's not just one technology strategy. It's a technology strategy and different, um, different ownership structures. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So let's talk a little bit more about what you're, you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Can you just kind of talk about cybersecurity and sort of why it's important um, in the portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that's probably the the main focus. Uh, at least it's been since I started a year and a half ago, um, and you know, within that time, it's really grown our our kind of strategy, the platforms that we've uh, that we've implemented has really created this this quite a robust uh, cybersecurity stance for for BGO and, and our properties. You know, why it's important? I really think from a general perspective. Uh, if you look at the statistics on cybercrime, I believe it's in since 2021, cybercrime has increased by 10%. And uh, subsequently, the, the estimated yearly loss from cybercrime by 2025, at least for the US, it's estimated to be, well, will be, uh, I, remember, I think it's like $10 trillion, with the average cost of a data breach being $5 million. So, oh, wow right there shows the importance and especially as it relates to the commercial real estate industry where we're seeing prop tech advance into um, this stage of network connectivity iot devices um, collecting data sharing data uh, with other systems you know without those without having standards and best practices in place you basically just have an open door to all of this data ready to be siphoned and uh you know which you know also leads to you know a, a reputational issue as well reputational loss uh, especially in a, a competitive industry like commercial real estate where you know uh, that reputational loss is uh is is a is a killer for sure absolutely yeah can you give i don't think people i mean we've had different episodes on cybersecurity in the past but can you give some examples of pe- of the threats that um, you know, happen to real estate managers and owners like BGO? Yeah, you know, it's probably pretty obvious, but how the network's designed is is definitely going to be your your biggest threat there tied into, you know, the lack of policies, procedures, and standards. If you don't have those in place and you, you don't have a button down secured network you're really you're really opening yourself up to a lot of potential issues and threats and i think there's kind of a subset as well to to that and that's more on the vendor side and i, I want to be careful because i don't i'm not saying that vendors are inherently risky but i think with that how it ties in is that lack of uh policies and procedures and standards from your corporation um if you're not passing those along to the vendors or um, let's, you know, I guess, for example, let's say you're a property manager and you re- and you want to install a BAS at your property and you reach out to BAS vendor A, they come into your property, see that your uh, all the building systems are on separate networks. There's nothing, um, uh, there's no continuity there. There's nothing converged. Um you know they're they're not going to go in and say oh i should move everything all onto one one network <laughs> converge everything you know liability issues obviously but they're going to install uh their own network line their to for their own system and they're going to have full management and enact their their own standards which you know may or may not be in line with uh, industry best practices uh, they're also going to install their own remote access system on top of that so there's a huge lack of uh, oversight and verification 
if you don't have any of that uh, standard in place. So that's really the mitigation from that is, you know, have those, create that strategy, your cybersecurity strategy for your company, just like your IT organization would would do. Um, the same needs to be done on the OT operational technology side to really, yeah, again, for, for that risk mitigation. Absolutely. And maybe for people that don't understand, what are the, because um, we, we have a, this audience as total beginners to total 20-year, 25-year experts, what are the biggest risks um, for the property manager, property owner, um, when these things that you just named aren't happening uh, up to standards? Without that oversight, you have no ability to audit or manage um, how vendors are are accessing your systems, you know, if they're using like a like a, I guess it's probably archaic. It's definitely archaic now, but uh, you know, port forwarding to uh, to systems for remote access. Um, yeah, you just have no oversight in into how that's all being done, and ultimately, you know, if, if you look at a lot of the most famous breaches, um, you know, let's say Target 2014, for example, where they got into an IoT device using stolen vendor credentials. You know, like if vendors are using common accounts for their access, yeah, there's just no, there, there's no oversight into that. So you're really flying blind, um, you know, and the risk to the the property team is, you know, if someone breaches your, your, your network, you're looking at, you know, potential siphoning of data for your tenants uh, or building systems uh, you're looking at potential criminals accessing your those actual core systems and I mean it's kind of possibility is endless what what they want to do there you know turn off elevators put inappropriate stuff on your digital digital signage I mean it's the you know it's it, there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of risk there and uh to, to the property as a whole, and then subsequently the property manager and the entity, the organization that's either owning or managing that property. Um, and I, like I mentioned before, the reputational damage. Yeah, I had someone yesterday, we were having a call with uh, uh, another property owner and they they were talking about the risk of someone taking IAQ data and like disputing uh showing it to tenants and showing it to the public and saying like you've been lying about your iaq data or whatever it's not actually what you say it is or whatever you know totally because um, anybody can take any data point and take it out of context yeah um, i mean and then like tenant specific too i mean if you have tenants that are a little bit more in the public eye that have very sensitive data like if, you know law firms investment like hedge funds um you know that's uh government corporation like government entities that's a lot of huge data that uh, that if that gets out into the public, that's obviously terrible. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you know, it, it's it's a little bit difficult to like have these sorts of conversations and sort of drive awareness around cybersecurity because it does seem to be this sort of like hush hush sort of topic. Um, there's a lot of consultants that are obviously experts in it, and they talk about the threats, but they don't necessarily like really sort of demystify what we all need to do to make our buildings more secure. So can mm -hmm. you talk about like how we sort of drive this conversation further, especially as as a media company like Nexus? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been kind of cool, actually, in the last uh, year, I've I've noticed that the conversation around cybersecurity is, is growing quite organically and evolving, where we're getting approached a lot by proactively by our property teams uh, and asset management teams to inquire about, you know, like, I want to get a new system set up in my property. I want to make sure, though, that I'm following all of the cybersecurity standards, whereas maybe before you would see kind of uh, properties maybe doing this all on their own and um, and relying on information from the vendors. They're actually seeing this uh, uh, and being proactive about it. And it's hard to really put my finger on exactly why this why this has evolved the, the way it has and you know maybe it's because uh, maybe it's because there's just more information out there in the public domain about you know the price tag associated with cybersecurity like I mentioned but it's definitely it's definitely a momentum starter and I think how we continue to to further that conversation is to really bring it back to the monetary aspect and the value I think now we're starting to see a lot more connection with ROI and cybersecurity than we have in the past. Before it was very ambiguous. You know, the the value was you limit your breaches and it, it's hard to put a number on that, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas now we can really say that uh, let's let's be proactive about our cybersecurity. Let's we we have standards in place. We have a strategy in place. Let's go into our our buildings, assess our networks, converge our networks, and continue that process. And from the value standpoint, from network convergence, uh, you know, depend obviously depending on size, your square footage of your property, you're probably looking at between a hundred and three hundred thousand. $300,000, probably on a conservative estimate there. But if you compare that against to that $5 million number, that estimate for an average data breach, you know, what, what is that? That's like two it's to great, 6%. Great ROI. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like it makes total sense. It's peanuts comparatively to if you have this open door and then, and then not to mention on top of that, that's just $5 million probably in litigation and, you know, lawyer fees and all of that. But you also have to add on top of that the the that reputational damage, and that may even three x that five million. <laughs> so you know that that percentage could be even uh, more minute than the two to six percent. So absolutely. And so you feel like um, you know the higher ups, the C suite, the the business minded folks in the real estate world, they're starting to feel like there's value in investing in in cybersecurity. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially as they're seeing that increase of network connected IoT devices and systems, totally. um, and and the you know ESG and sustainability data, like you mentioned with that that IAQ example, I think people are starting to realize the threats and what that costs, what is it could potentially look like. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about BGO's approach. Um, it seems like you guys are one of the leaders in my in my perspective in terms of just talking to you in the last couple conversations we've had. Um, you guys seem to be very far down the road, whereas you talk to a lot of property managers, property owners, and it's kind of like, where do we begin kind of creating a strategy, not necessarily implementing it? So can you talk about sort of your overall approach? And then we'll sort of dig into the different technology categories and things that you guys are thinking about at that network layer. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. I'd like to think that we're kind of uh, among those leaders, but uh, 
you know, I think there's definitely still a lot of work that we need to do to get us to to the point that we want to be at as as an organization. But you know, it, for us, it really started with the strategy, and we wanted to kind of create a, a kind of a pillar approach to this. So having that strategy around what we wanted our building networks to look like, uh, following industry best practices, collaboration with our IT colleagues, especially in cybersecurity and the network team. And yeah, create those policies and and procedures that we can bake into our contracts with our vendors and pass along to our property teams so that they're aware, they know what should be done, they understand why it should be done. And then from there, we moved into the task to assess our property networks. So something that is continuously ongoing, but going into our properties and doing a complete deep dive into the how the network is designed. We'll either do it internally, or if it's a larger building, we'll use a, a third-party vendor. And uh, and yeah, just collect every bit of information that we can from you know network topology, the visualization, like the actual map of it, vulnerabilities that exist on that network, areas of concern, um, a whole asset inventory of the devices attached to those networks. And then from there, we can create a really comprehensive remediation plan with, uh, again, with either our vendors or, or internally. But I guess if we're remediation, we're going the vendor route. But yeah, we have that comprehensive path forward of what we need to do. And and in tandem to that is the cybersecurity, making sure that the cybersecurity standards are um, are at a level that we're happy with. And we also have a cybersecurity platform that we've been working on building up and uh, and adding more features and functionality to that we will also install on, on that network. Got it. Got it. Um and can you talk about more more about the cybersecurity platform, as you call it? What what is that? And um, is it software, hardware? And then how do you guys think about that? It sounds like it's a, a third party device or third party um, technology that you guys are building and then deploying in, yeah. in your buildings. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a little bit of both. It's a it's a hardware device that plugs into plugs into the network and there is a cloud component on it. So the overall platform is based more on the the SASE framework, so Secure Access Service Edge, which is the basically the amalgamation of uh, VPN and SD-WAN. So a, more of a newer age VPN, if you will, with more functionality and utilizes um, like zero trust architecture as well. So what this does for us is, A, it allows us to uh, deploy custom security policies. So basically a firewall. We like to have another hardware firewall as well on site just to have that extra clarity. I, I kind of view it as like a as a net. So you got your first net and some stuff might get through, but you got your second net to catch all this the stragglers. So yeah, being able to deploy custom security policies at a site level, so very granular, that can be all managed and deployed on a cloud service. The next step to that is continuous threat detection so that we can be uh, proactive or even more reactionary to potential threats um, coming into our property networks. We've just started utilizing vulnerability scanning. So there's a tool that uh, on that platform where we can scan the property network from a device standpoint and see uh, any vulnerabilities existing with that device's uh, like known exploits for that device's firmware or OS. Can also see if people are using uh, default passwords for any of the servers. Um, you know 
know, FTP servers we, we run into sometimes that uh, that we have to remediate on. And then the the last piece of that is the uh, the remote access, the secure remote access. Um, so, you know, again, that zero trust architecture. So all of our BGO employees are um, are authenticated through our Okta um, and vendors are given schedule based access. Got it. Got it. Okay. And um, the part you, you, you began with, I think that gives people a good idea of what you're using this piece of technology for, the SASE framework. Can you talk more about that and zero trust and sort of pretend you're explaining this to um, <laughs> a third grader, right? Can you talk about like what that actually does? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the SASE framework essentially combines, like I was saying, the VPN and SD, uh, SD-WAN capabilities through like a cloud-based security function that also has that zero trust network access baked into it. So okay. I think the best way actually to describe it is the difference between the what your legacy VPN and the SASE framework. And it really, to me, it really comes down to the speed. You know, VPNs inherently have latency issues where the the SASE model is a lot quicker. Um, it solves a lot of those those bandwidth issues for access, especially if you're accessing content-rich applications, which, you know, that's pretty much a lot of BAS. Uh, there's a lot of graphics and, and content there. So it definitely provides our operators with a much more faster and seamless experience than your typical legacy VPN. So I guess to for your for your viewers as well, just to um, further explain some of these terms that we've talked about with with SASE. So mention secure access service edge, which implements SD WAN as well, software defined wide area network, which is a virtual LAN that allows the transportation of services across broadband internet services and connects users directly to applications. So cloud-based uh, connection to applications. So where the SASE framework comes into play here is, you know, I alluded to one of those features as uh, increased bandwidth and lower latency uh, for those remote remote connections. The security side is definitely increased from your legacy VPN, but the whole framework does allow for much more. And that's the connectivity of cloud-based solutions to your uh, to your edge device using edge computing to allow for that next level of application layer, which is you know kind of the next step for BGO in that strategy is looking at connecting you know building performance applications, AI running from cloud instance so we can eliminate the the on hardware on-prem hardware. The other point of that is the zero trust architecture as well, which is super important, especially now with this, like we're deploying to a wide range of properties. Like I think we've deployed this solution out to about 60, 60 properties and growing substantially feels like every week. But essentially the zero trust, what, what that what that means is access is given on a need to know basis. So if I, uh, I think the best way to describe this is to use an example. So um, let's say I've got an operator that looks after two buildings. Well, he only needs to know about those two buildings, right? So I'm going to give him only access in the portal to those two buildings. Uh, pretty standard. But then we can even get a little more granular than that. And then the devices attached to those buildings. So let's say that he or she only looks at the BAS system, CCTV, lighting, someone else. We only give them access to that BAS system. And let's get even more granular. That BAS system 
in most cases going to have a web interface, right? Like an HTTP, HTTPS uh, link that they use through like an IP address, but they'll also have a server on site. Well, I may not want to give him access necessarily to that server. He might not need it. He only needs access to the web interface to adjust values, um, temperature, whatever. But alternatively, on the flip side, the vendor, I can I know that the vendor owns that server, and the vendor is going to need access to the uh, the BAS web interface for troubleshooting, right? But we'll also need access to that server to be able to push firmware updates, OS updates, right? Mm-hmm. So one piece of it is the very granular need to know basis for giving access, providing access. And then the second part of it is the continuous authentication. So I mentioned that we, our operators are all authenticated through this platform via Okta. Um, and so that constant verification process. So anytime that they they log in and sometimes even when they're logged in and haven't been using it for a little bit, again, access authentication. And from the the vendor side of it as well, we can also, if the the vendor is using something like Okta or Azure or whatever, uh, we can also set up that same authentication, that MFA through that as well. On top of that, the um, schedule-based vendor access also allows us to kind of clamp down even more so on on when vendors are given, when technicians are given access to those sites. So if they need to go on a site, uh, the site visit, or they need to log into a system to make an adjustment, um, we can give them like a, almost like a token access, like a, you know, four hour, six hour, eight hour token access. And then that expires. And if they want to come again, well, we need to give them another scheduled access. So it. it really helps to keep control and that ultimate management of our property networks, which obviously ties into the cybersecurity. And then the final part to that is uh, a feature on that with our platform is the ability to audit uh, that access. So if anything were to go wrong, we would be able to look at the at the audit listings and see who was the last person to sign in. Um, and helps with, you know, investigation, maybe, maybe the vendor, you know, got their password stolen, at, you know, sitting on the dark web or something and uh and someone someone was able to break in so it shows us as well the ip address that they that they used to sign in on like the their device ip address and the country of origin so it really helps us to eliminate and be proactive with a lot of those threats totally one of the the features here that i think is important um is you know, when we talk about smart building solutions, you know, we talk about, you know, a building owner has this stack with device network, uh, data application layers, and everything that sort of sits at the data and application layers, all these different categories of technologies, most of them have their own gateway in which they want to come put it on your network. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about the ability to um, for you guys to control that and put it on one box, which is the same box you're talking about with the cybersecurity platform, the ability to not have all these different gateways on your network. Yeah, so you're talking about the the application specific kind of kind of layer to that. Yeah, I mean, like um, if you think about the landscape of technologies, there's like a gateway for your IAQ sensors and a gateway mm-hmm. for your fault detection diagnostics and a gateway for this, that, and the other thing. Um, yeah. yeah. So so yeah, so totally. So what this box does allow us to do is any anything that's connected that's that's in a cloud instance, you know, there's AI tools that their GPUs are are, you know, hosted in AWS. Um we can cloud connect 
uh, to any application. So as long as the vendor has a cloud version of their of their application of their gateway, um, we we can connect to it no problem. And with with the SASE model, they're encrypted, secured tunnels that we can go worry free connecting to a cloud app and eliminate that on prem hardware, which definitely clutters up a lot of mechanical rooms uh, the number of times we've gone into a building probably and uh, and and looked at the network rack and seen all of these unplugged boxes at, <laughs> underneath on a shelf it takes away all of that and you know kind of cleans things up makes the network run more efficiently um, you know energy reduction as well obviously for for the property uh, not having to power up all of these devices some of which take a lot of energy usage. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, I, I want to ask you just a, one quick question, more, one more question around this project, but then just talk about kind of lessons learned for future buyers. But my last question is around the operators. And so it sounds like there was some change management that had to happen to allow them to, um, instead of just, you know, logging in how they used to log in, they're having to go through these extra steps of authentication and they're having to use this different software application to access like the building automation system or access another another um, system on site. So can you talk about that process? Um, it sounds like there's been some change management that you guys have had to, to go through. Yeah, absolutely. The concept of adoption was was very much top of mind with this. When you're installing an application or a system like this, where it's changing the the way that historically operations have been remoting in for years and years and years, decades even, it, it's definitely a a little bit of a of a battle to you know frame the the right conversations and to you know to put the right values in front of them. And I think over time, it's been a very organic evolution and and a adoption process where once the operators have have gotten that the hang of logging in and what that means they they know that they have to authenticate through Okta um, we've made it very as easy as possible you know we've made it an Okta application for their mobile phones and also on web so they their Okta applications they have their tile they click on it it authenticates boom they're in um, and then they can click on any one of their their devices to do their work. And so the response from the operators has actually been very, very positive. Our, the adoption rate of this platform is probably around now, I think it's around 75, 80%. Um, and it's still a very new platform, which I, I think, you know, that's a very strong, very strong adoption rate. Um, and well, that's the feedback, huge. I mean, yeah. operators don't necessarily have great uptake historically for smart building solutions. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to see that number for sure. It means that the the training and and the work that we've done is really kind of paying off, and um, they're understanding you know the value of having this. The sentiment, uh, at least what I've heard from our operations teams, is that the the ease of access where they can access anywhere in the world securely. Uh, you know, it's maybe one extra step than they used to have, one or two extra steps than they used to have. Um, but the speed at which they can they can access those applications and the speed at which the the remote access works, where you know historically legacy VPNs would you know lag and you know it would take like five minutes to change a change one value, where now it's so much quicker and the added value for being able to utilize it on a mobile phone. We have a lot of operators uh, in regions that uh, they're the fleet operations, so they're constantly going around site to site to site. And in the event of an issue, they just open up their laptop, log in, boom, they can 
that doesn't matter where they are. You know, they can be on the side of the road in their car and change values that you know needed or troubleshoot issues. So it's built a level of trust too with uh, with PropTech in our operations and really shown kind of our path forward. Um, you know, showing those operations teams that look, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We can get even crazier here. We can, you know, give you uh, an AI tool for your for your BAS to help to analyze BAS data and write operational efficiencies. We can deploy a AI for CCTV, which will monitor all of your feeds and action on um, action on certain use cases. The options are are kind of endless at this point, and really have um, created this foundation for future proofing our, our buildings. So I, I can see that, uh, that adoption continuing. And as, as we deploy to, to more properties, and like I said, we're, we're kind of looking at more properties every week to, to deploy this too. So totally, totally. I want to, I want to get to the higher levels of the stack, the application layer in just a second Mm -hmm. on this, just deploying the actual cybersecurity platform itself. Can you talk about, um, and selfishly, we have a buyer guide coming up in October around uh, the network layer and all the different technologies people could buy there. So this is a selfish question as I think about developing that, but also good for buyers to think about. Um, what would you sort of tell other buyers in terms of lessons learned with deploying this, this offering? Yeah, I think sit down with all areas of your business and come up with a strategy, especially your your IT team. Find out what exactly it means for you and to have a standardized building network. Does does it necessarily mean you have to converge all your systems? Maybe not. Um, but having that standard and what you want to get out of this, I think, is the most important thing. The next piece would be to understand the technology that you're implementing. What are the criteria? What are the main f- focal points for for installing this? Because I, I think it, it's easy to say, oh, we've got this cybersecurity device. It'll be, we can roll it out to everywhere. Well, that's not true because in at least like with our business, we have a whole whack of different asset types, pretty much every asset type. And for you know your industrial properties and your uh, open air retail, those are often going to be triple net, right? So meaning that the the tenants all have their own control of their own their own stuff, their own systems. Um, so obviously that's not going to really be a use case there, right? That's that's not going to really fit the criteria. You want to target assets that the property manages the network and has uh, devices that are connected to the internet. So it all leads to a due diligence process. So after you have your strategy and your standards and procedures completely ironed out, you go into your due diligence, do your assessments, go to, go to the sites, um, you know, make a template and, and just collect as much information as you can so that you're sure that when you get to site, you know that, okay, like this network is completely separated. I can't put this platform on, on every single, I can't put every single system behind this platform because they're all on separate networks. There's only one, there's only one ethernet cable, right? So how, how do we best approach that? Do we do like more of a soft convergence um, where we try to bring everything to get as together as possible onto a switch and then put our platform on top of that? Or do we do we take one at the start and say, you know, we have a BAS and a lighting system. Both are connected to the internet, but the BAS is giving out the most data, is collecting the most data, right? Is the most sensitive. So we're going to protect the BAS as as the first. That might not be the same case for for every property, but um, 
but you, you know you really have to do your due diligence and plan that plan that out first before you start looking at um, at the technologies and then actually the physical deployment of of that technology. There's there's I think the due diligence process is often understated when when deploying cybersecurity. So it sounds like there's it's basically a case by case basis on in terms of what you might do before you put in the cybersecurity platform, and then also a case by case basis on what you might put onto it and connect to it. Is that right? Exactly. Cool. Um, any any gotchas that um, future buyers might uh, want to know about? No, I, I think I think the biggest ones were were definitely understanding the criteria. Like I mentioned, um, you know that you know industrial and and open air like retail like that's it's just not that doesn't really work. Um, but I mean, in in terms of gotchas, there wasn't really there wasn't really anything that really stands out to me. I think, you know, we did enough of the due diligence and that strategy that we had a really good understanding. You know, there, there's definitely, there's always some kind of little hiccups here and there, but n- nothing from like a, like an actual like technology standpoint. Um, you know, the, the platform as well, it, you know, it's constantly evolving, adding more features and functionality. And so, you know, I guess it's, it's a continued approach to, to train and, and communicate the potentials that this box can, that can do for us, the platform can do for us. So it's, it's an ongoing process. So even after, even after implementation, I mean, it's just, it's a never ending project, but, um, but has, you know, a lot of, a lot of good value. Absolutely. And for anyone that's um, interested in this from a buying standpoint, we're continuously connected with this layer, uh, network layer, as we develop our, our buyer's guide to the network layer. What We're happy to connect you with the right people um, to, to help you out with what Ben's talking about here. Let's talk about the higher layers of the stack. So we talked about application layer. We haven't really talked about the data layer much, but I'd love to hear how you're kind of thinking about layering new technologies onto this platform moving forward. So you mentioned um, AI for security cameras. You mentioned um, network monitoring software, I think you mentioned earlier. So how do you think, how do you think about um, how you might evaluate and then start to layer on um, application layer technologies onto this? I think the prioritization is applications that uh, reduce OPEX. So anytime that we can, especially in the, 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 the industry and the climate, the way it is right now, I mean, anytime that we can reduce operating expenditures at, at properties is a huge win for us. Um, we're also very focused as a company on, on ESG and sustainability, something that I believe that we lead in. And so, you know, those are big goals for us. Net zero is a big goal for us. So applications that involve and solve those goals uh, or relate to those goals are definitely prioritized. So, you know, definitely the uh, AI, which is such a buzzword right now, but, um, you know, it has definitely a place in commercial real estate specifically to to BAS. You know, there's numerous companies out there that are that are doing this. And, you know, I think it adds that efficiency level and building health and performance, which leads into ESG, which can also lead into OPEX savings as well and in, in energy, energy costs, energy consumption. And then a little bit of a hidden gem as well for operating reduction of OPEX is AI for CCTV. Having a much more robust and platform to monitor your video feeds 
needs where like i think that's one area that's kind of taken a while to to catch up to technology and has really relied on the kind of the human uh, operational element we're approaching a point where that image of uh, your typical security guard staring at a bunch of different screens mm-hmm. video feeds on them on a monitor like that's effectively kind of on the out right because with ai technology it can monitor everything at once and action to your operate or your uh, security guards on any issues you know some of the use cases for like uh, weapon detection where it will dispatch 911 immediately so that your wow. security guards aren't put in harm's way they know about it but they know that they're not going to you know they're not going to walk into a dangerous situations and so do they um fire detection fire and smoke detection where you know a lot of these ai modules i've seen can detect it even before your building system uh and again uh dispatch to 911 and then also inform your your uh security guards and your operations so Fascinating. there's a huge amount of potential savings there as, you know, security security contracts can be very expensive for physical security contracts, very expensive for properties. And so, you know, this kind of streamlines things and uh, and allows that, you know, reduction to happen over time. So those are definitely two that I'd say are at top of mind for, for me at least. But, you know, like I said, the options are also endless when it comes to these technologies. And we're at that kind of rate of, of incline for for technology evolution and in, in prop tech that you know in five years who knows there could be another something even crazier that comes out that solves a whole whack of problems but the point is is that we built ourselves this very nice future-proofed platform that whatever comes we're ready to deploy it and the the uplift is is going to be very minimal Absolutely. Yeah. And that's like the holy grail of what I think a lot of asset owners, asset managers have been, you know, building for a while, right? We, we, we say this industry moves slow, but we've been, a lot of people have been building up these infrastructure layers for a while and to the point where they can start to deploy r- rapidly. And, and to that end, what is the value of being able to deploy these new applications to you? What is the value to you from being able to do that from this sort of platform that you've already bought? You've bought this for other reasons, right? Remote mm-hmm. access use cases, cybersecurity, um, you know, stabilization. What's the value of then being able to take that thing that you've already invested in? It's already paid for itself, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Now I can then just use that as the infrastructure to these other applications. I mean, it, it completely changes the game for us. I mean, yeah, you like you mentioned, the, that wasn't the initial thought when we got into this platform. Um, you know, it was just security and remote access. But now it's evolved to this um, to this application layer, the cloud cloud connected application layer. That yeah, I mean, the the value is has increased kind of tenfold here. You know, the the future proofing of of our properties now and the ability for us to to move quickly on. Uh, on deploying technologies, having more control and management over those technologies, um, eliminating the mass amount of on-prem hardware. All of that kind of leads into a more efficient building, better performance, um, and leads into our company goals for ESG and sustainability as well. It was a very welcomed surprise <laughs> functionality, but it will continue to to be kind of the backbone of our of our prop tech. Absolutely. And, and yeah, 
anyone that wants to sort of learn more about this category, reach out to us, uh, look it up on our website, the network layer, and uh, we'll sort of connect you with the people you need to connect with. But Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show. I think this was awesome in terms of um, uh, an asset owner, asset manager that's sort of um, investing in the right ways and then looking to build on top of that with all the sexier stuff, right, that people, <laughs> people talk about. But I think a lot of people talk about the sexy stuff when skipping the basic infrastructure layers first. So I, I think it's a great example of, of a case study that people, more people should follow. So thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks, James. Okay, friends, thank you for listening to this episode. As we continue to grow our global community of changemakers, we need your help. For the next couple of months, we're challenging our listeners to share a link to their favorite Nexus episode on LinkedIn with a short post about why you listen. It would really, really help us out. Make sure to tag us in the post so we can see it. Have a good one.